It's timely. It's insightful. It's motivating. It's empowering. It's time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Time with Fred podcast. This is a podcast that challenges paradigms and mindsets that hold us back. On September 11, 1961, Terry Jennings landed in the United States with a family after a short trip from Cuba. Their only possessions were $50 and one suitcase each. Her family, including her father, who had been jailed during the Bay of Pigs invasion, was now in a free country. On September 12th, Terry found herself enrolled in seventh grade, drowning in a sea of English she didn't quite understand. Fast forward a number of years, Terry is now an author of about 16 books, and she's here as my special guest to talk about her journey. Terry, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Oh, gosh, Fred, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. How did it all start for you? I, I've always wanted to write. Um, it was very, it was one of those things that I always had stories in my head. And as a child, I loved, um, little women. And so I wanted to be an author just like Joe March. Um, at one point in 11th grade, I was a, um, I was in a creative writing class. I came into a creative writing class, hoping to figure out whether I would eventually become, uh, could even think about becoming a writer. So um, I I joined that class, but the teacher at one point said that I was using too many like sort of highfalutin words that would not have been in my vocabulary because I was Cuban. So I got on my high horse and left that um, left that class. I did not like a person that had that attitude. I actually did have a very high vocabulary. Um, so but having said that, you know, Fred, you're an immigrant as well. Immigrants can't have jobs, or at least I didn't think we could, um, that are um, that are not secure. And writing would not have been a real secure job. So I ended up majoring in math uh, at the University of Richmond and, um, you know, getting a very secure job. But stories always kept rolling around in my head. And I always kept wanting to to write. So at one point, um, after my kids were kind of grown and they didn't need me so much, I thought, gosh, I'm going to. And things were happening with them that gave me fodder for writing stories. I'm going to I'm going to write. I'm going to see if I can really um, make this happen. So I started writing and very first thing I ever submitted, I submitted a story about my daughter uh, learning to drive, and I submitted it to the Washington Post, and they, and they, and <laughs> they actually, you know, printed it, bought it. So that was very surprising. So, you know, from then on, I started doing all the writing that I could, doing, you know, a lot of stuff for free, writing for my newspaper, my local newspaper. I uh, started writing, um, I'm good enough in math that I can write, um, not in math and in science, that I can write science stuff for kids. So I've done a lot of curriculum writing and uh, have written for the Smithsonian. And then eventually I started writing stories that 
that were actually published as children's books. And it started with little science stories. And then just recently, last year, uh, Simon & Schuster published my Definitely Dominguita series, which is about a Cuban-American third grader who fights bullies and um, and solves mysteries while pretending to be characters in the classics like Don Quixote and Treasure Island and stuff like that. And then I wrote a story of an African-American activist uh, and feminist, and I wrote that with her niece. I was uh, lucky enough to meet her niece. I, I knew about Polly Murray very much from writing one of these curriculum books. And then I started learning about her. And uh, then when I met her niece, it was one of those marriages made in heaven. And uh, that book was published in February. And then uh, The Little House of Hope just came out this last June. And um, The Little House of Hope is my story. It's a story about that family that came to the United States with $50. And um, we had to live in a house with other immigrants um, who, you know, family members. And, um, and you know, everybody had to learn English. Um, but it was it was a time of need. It was a time of, you know, just, gosh, we were so poor. But still, it was a time of hope because, like you said, my father had been put in jail. And he um, he could have been um, he could have been killed. We were lucky that he wasn't, but he could have been killed. And thank God he was allowed to leave and um, and that we were able to come to the United States. We put we put applications into everywhere in the world that he knew somebody. <laughs> and the United States was the first one that answered and gave us the papers that said that we could come to the United States. So that was that was the story. And we ended up in, in Richmond eventually because in Richmond, Virginia, because we um, my my dad worked for the Federal Reserve in Cuba, the equivalent of the Federal Reserve in Cuba. And he knew someone at the Federal Reserve Bank in Richmond. And eventually he got a job there. Um, not as good as what he had in, in Cuba, but hey, we were happy that he had a job, a pretty good job. Speaking of hope, uh, there is there is some element, major element of inspiration there in, in that transition, if you will. I mean, moving here to the United States, I, I imagine English was not your your native language, your first language. Uh, but here you are um, several years later, you're an author of, of 16 plus books. How did you find that dream or did it did ever did you have the drive always, Terry, to be an author? even considering what I'd call um, navigating some of those initial, you know, landmines settling down in a, in a completely new world, right? With English not being your first language. And how was that like for you? What, what spurred that drive or desire in you to become an author? Um, it was always the, the um, question in my mind, could I do it? Could I be good enough? So I started writing. Um, this is something that people, so this is something that I thought that was totally wrong. Um, but I thought that I had to work my way up in, um, in writing. You know, it's like you work your way up in a company. Uh, and um, 
so I started writing little things. I started writing for newspapers, magazines, you know, little things. And then I started writing for my local, a, a humor column for my local newspaper. Then I did what people call work for hire. But every time I did something, I said, okay, this time I've done this. Now I want to see if I can do the next step. And then I want to do the next step. See if I can get, you know, and the measure of whether you're successful or not is whether you get paid. You know, it's nice. Some people will accept you to write for free, which I did. And that was that was a measure of of success. But then, okay, well, now can I get paid? And can I get, you know, last year, my books were best of 2021. So that was a big accomplishment. So that kind of thing, I was always trying to get myself to be better. Now, if you're a writer, and if you're considering writing, you don't have to do that. If you are, if you have a good idea, and if you're talented, and you can write, you can go straight to writing fiction. You don't have to go through all this stuff that I did. I, another thing that I thought was, um, and I'm glad I did this because I'm good at nonfiction. I did a lot of nonfiction and narrative nonfiction, and I'm glad that I did it, but I didn't have to. If I had just gone straight to fiction, um, I might have been writing, you know, 15 years ago and getting books published earlier. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not because I have learned a lot over the over the years, every time I do something new, um, you know, working with different editors helps you helps you develop. So all of that has been part of the journey. What were some of the um, obstacles you had overcome, uh, Terry, in this process of being uh, a, a writer? What I mean, I know for some of the great authors are that we've read stories about how J.K. Rowling, for instance, rejected however many times. Oh, yeah. Right? What was oh, yeah. <laughs> there? I mean, how did you overcome? And Thousands how of rejections. You, uh, you first, you get, um, you have to get an, you know, by the time I started really writing seriously, um, you had the, the downturn had come 2008 or so. And by that time you had to have an agent. So I don't know how many agents, um, rejected me. So what happens is, you know, you send something out and an agent says, no, not only no, but, you know, H no. And then um, later on you get out, well, um, this may not be the best for me. And then later on you get, well, maybe why don't you send it in? And you send it in and they say, well, I really like it, but I, you know, I can't represent you. And then eventually you work with somebody and then they still reject you. And then eventually you find an agent. And um, so it's um, it's a long, a long list of, of rejections. I have a book that we wrote, the book that eventually that originally got me my agent. I started working on it in 2008. And um, it's a book about Cuba. It's a book about my father going to jail. Um, and uh, we thought that it was a really good book. And it went out for submissions to um, probably about 20 editors. And every one of them said, forget it, not good. So um, it's, I just finished, I just sent it back after, I mean, it's been, it's been in the middle for a long time. I just sent it back to my agent uh, a few days ago. And it's now a novel in verse. 
So it has gone through so many iterations. It's been so uh, so many things. Um, one thing that is that is a an obstacle, and and you know I think people of color, uh, although I don't like that term, but um, but find this that um, there were not you know. I don't think the quality of my writing is that much better now than it was in in 20, you know, 2014. My ideas certainly weren't a whole lot better. But um, you know, I don't think um that a Cuban person had as much of an opportunity to write to get published um as uh a person in in the mainstream um so, so what was it that Terry kept kept uh, kept you going, right? I mean, it wasn't one rejection. It wasn't yes. you. What was it that kept you sending? I, I just wanted to have, well, it probably was that story, Fred, that story of the, um, the Cuban story that I wanted to write. I want, I still do want to have that story out because it's a, it's an important story and it shows a bit about the, even though it's for children, it shows um, how the Castro takeover of, of Cuba, how it tore up, tore up a nation and how it put members of the family against each other and how there was all this idealism and yes, we're going to make things better, you know, um but none of that came came about and i i think it's an important story and i wanted to get that story out and to me like i said everything else was a step towards getting getting that story out now once you you know once you i mean it's addictive uh, once you get a story published, you want to get another one published. I mean, it really is. And it's very, and you get the heebie-jeebies when you don't have a contract on something already in the horizon. You start getting, oh, I'm a failure. So you got to always be proving that you are not a failure, that you're good enough. So that's what keeps me going. It's just trying to trying to get the books out there that are going to be um that are going to be in children's hands and are going to be um, helping them as well. Because I think the book about the little house is a book that shows how immigrants are, um, you know, all human, we're all human beings. Every Everything that I do and every book that I write is to show how each one of us is a human being, just like the other and how we all deserve respect and how you know my characters you know have mothers fathers they have to make their bed they have to do the dishes they're just regular kids and i'm just trying to show that everybody is a regular kid and in that way i hope to have a um bring understanding and if you understand the other person that the other person is just like you then you may have empathy for their situation. Absolutely. Tara, there, there, there's so many people who go through life and um, 
give up really quickly, right? After one opposition or rejection, they're quick to say, well, you know, I told you this wasn't meant for me. You know, I might as well just get, forget about it, right? Um, what do you say to people like that? I mean, there are people who, you know, would have succeeded had they tried one more time or maybe two more times, right? There are countless of stories, inspirational stories out there, people who persisted over and over again, like yourself, and oh. eventually became the... How about those who just just give up and, and, and for good reason too right we're not minimizing it right. there are very valid reasons why they can't move on or can't try one more time perhaps a shock or the you know rejection may have been so debilitating that they didn't have anything and what, what do you say to people like that here well that's hard that's hard because like you say very often there are good reasons and and it, and it can be debilitating to be rejected or not to reach your not to reach your dreams um i don't know i think you just have to have to have a thick skin and if you have a dream uh you you have to a dream or or a mission you have to follow it um the more that i see of the fact that um we are not represented in children's writing, um, the more that I see that I have to do, I have to do this work, uh, and I have to do stories, and I'm trying to do stories that are fun and funny and less um, preachy. Is not a good word because my I hope my books aren't preachy, but books that don't have as much of an issue, but books that are just fun and funny that will kids that will bring kids together when i had the polly murray story uh her story is so powerful here's a woman talk about not ever giving up uh here's a woman who became she was black she was queer she was very poor and she became and she was a woman and she became a lawyer in 1940 and uh, she, you know, when she went to, to Howard University, the professors told her, what the hell are you doing here? Women are never going to be lawyers. And she, she persisted and she, she went on. She was the person who came up with the idea that one Brown versus Board of Education, yet they didn't give her credit. And yes, she pers persisted. It's just, if you have a mission, um, I don't think it, 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 you can't allow yourself to give up. Totally agree. It is it is all about the mission. Terry, if you look back um, over the years, what would you say are some of the uh, lessons that life's taught you? You know, moving here, starting school, um, learning the language, writing your books, getting the rejections. What are some of the life lessons that you've gathered over this journey of life uh, since moving to the United States, you'd say? I think one big life lesson that I, I guess something that I wish I had known when I first came to the United States, I had some situations which made me feel very uncomfortable um, because I was Cuban. And so as a child, as a 12 year old, I just said, I don't need this. I'm going to be, I am going to leave anything that has to do with Cuba behind. I'm going to learn be have my English be as good as possible. I'm not going to tell anyone that I'm Cuban. Um, I figured that if I married somebody, I wanted to marry somebody named Smith, so I wouldn't have to spell my last name. Uh, so I 
I just left everything that was Cuban, but also that was a big part of me behind. And I wish I had been stronger to say, you know, that doesn't need to, that does, I, that doesn't need to be that way. I, I am Cuban and it's okay that I am Cuban. I'm a human being like everyone else. And I have, um, I have a right to be here and I contribute to this um, society like we all do. And um, many of us are, are here because of different reasons um, that back in our home countries, things were untenable. And um, I want to, I wish, I wish that I had not given up my heritage because as an adult, then I had to go back and, and find it. I had to go back and really go searching for it. Which you have, right? You've captured that in, in your in your books and that you've written and all of that. So any other in, in looking back um at you know the level of success you've had with your books, what if anything would you have done differently um when you started um or when you when you when you came in, knowing if you're now well if I persisted, I mean I'm gonna be an author of sixteen plus books, or was there anything you could have done differently? Okay. Um I I wish that in a way that I hadn't done. Um, all the little steps of, you know, writing curriculum, writing magazine articles, writing newspaper articles, and uh, and then gone straight and taken a deep dive and and written a you know a big um, a big book. Having said that, I um, I don't I don't know whether I would have been successful back then or not because I have learned I have learned right much since then. But the thing about it is that the writing community is a very supportive community. And that is one of the things that has kept me going because you have so many friends and so many writing friends. It's a brutal business. I mean, you get so many rejections that you make some really good friends um, who are going through the same thing that you are. And you get make many friends who have gone are on the other side of that, that have gone through the rejections and have become successful. And, but they don't forget you. They come back and they help you. So having a support system for me and has been, um, has been great. So I don't know that I would have needed um, anything else that I would have done anything different. This, this support system has kept me going. Again, I wish I had done maybe more, taken a, the plunge a little bit earlier into into fiction, but um, I don't know. I, I think that the support system is one of the th big things that has kept me going. Yeah, and we all need those support systems, right? Of all the books that you've written, Terry, which one would you, or once would you say are your favorite? Um, the Little House of Hope is... Um, it's it's a it's my story so and it is this it is a way for people to connect with the experience of an immigrant and i think that is a very important book uh so that holds um a really 
you know, big place in my heart. Um, the Dominguita series are a lot of fun. They were, they are a lot of fun to write, and Dominguita is a fun character. And again, she's a normal kid, just happens to be Cuban American, and she's a, an awful whole lot of fun. Um, I wrote a book about women's liberation that I think is a very important book for young ladies to read, uh, young women to read, to know what women went through to get to the point in women's rights that we are now. And of course, um, women's rights are not even close to being perfect yet. Um, it's been a long, long haul, and we need to um, we need to remember that. We need to remember how hard fought these rights are and how we can't let them slip away. So some of them are important to me because they are important to other people. They make important contributions. And and, and Dominguita I love because she's just fun. Um, I love the idea. You know, I'm going to tell you every one of them. I love every one of my books. I love the Polly Murray book because I admire her so much. Uh, and I was happy to be able to get her story out. Her story was not out, uh, especially for young readers. Um, so, yeah, each one of the, my books, some people say the last book you wrote is the last one, uh, the the one that you love the most. And there's there's a lot of truth in that because that's the character that you've been living with. Um, but I think I like I like every one of my books for a different reason. I love that. So do you do author visits? I do. I do. I love author visits. I do author visits and I do um, Zoom visits with schools. Uh, but yeah, I love doing author visits. And uh, and one of the things that has been very, uh, one thing that was very touching was that I was asked to do uh, an author visit in, um, in Washington, D.C. to talk to some uh, immigrants from Venezuela to share my book with them. These were immigrants from Venezuela who had been put on a bus in Texas and shipped up here. And uh, that was very touching that I was asked to do that and that I had that opportunity to uh, talk to these folks who were immigrants like me, but who have been treated um, so harshly. And a book like that is is so important. It's it's really cool when I talk to children who are immigrants, how they connect with that book and how it makes them feel, hey, I'm not the only one that's gone through this. I'm not the only one who's lived, you know, three families in a home. I'm not the only one, you know, who lived with ratty furniture or, you know, who had to learn English because you didn't know any. But still, Thank God you're here, and thank God you have hope. And and um, I'm very grateful to the United States for allowing my family to be here and to thrive. Because otherwise, if we had stayed in Cuba, my dad would be dead. Wow, wow! What a powerful way to kind of wrap up here, Terry. I want to give you the last word here. I want to be respectful of time, uh, but if there's probably someone you know listening to us, listening to this podcast, who uh, whose dreams uh, may have uh, started off rough or who may not uh, be able to see clearly what that end zone looks like or who may be dealing with some rejection of a kind and just doesn't seem to know what to find that strength to uh, to keep keeping on. Uh, what would you say to that person right here? Hmm. 
that's difficult, but you need to believe in your dream and believe in yourself and and surround yourself with people that um, that believe in you and that help you and that uh, are, are in with you with your journey. I mean, if, you know, I talk about my writer friends, but if it wasn't for my husband, I would not. And his belief in me and for him doing the dishes all the times that I'm writing and, you know, and doing the wash and all that, um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't write. So um, I think believing in yourself and, and, and I mean, you have a dream and I, I would just not let them, that dream go. And Terry, lastly, where can um, the listeners, maybe their educators who may want to get in touch with you and learn more about you, maybe perhaps um, you know, do some, uh, organize some author visits or whatever. Where do they find information about the work that you do, Terry, and how to get in touch with you? Um, my website is terrycjennings.com. And um, on Twitter, I'm Terry C. Jennings. So, um, yeah, happy to... Uh, happy to talk to anyone and uh, I'm delighted to thank you and that will be in the show notes as well Terry Jennings thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing about your journey your inspiration and uh, and and how you 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 were able to honor that keep your mission keep your goals keep your dream and uh, just passing it on helping others and uh, and even our, our listeners today I want to thank you so much for your time uh, Terry and for the inspiration that we shared and to you our, our listeners um, for, for tuning in we appreciate you thank you so much and until next time stay well thank you Fred thank you for having me pleasure